Hi, this is Lisa, and you are listening to Branching Out, an upbeat, friend-building, Christian-uniting ministry. We discuss topics concerning our faith, review Christian news, read scripture, offer prayers and praise that you share with us. Never be alone. Join us. You can reach us at our website, which is branchliving.com, and through Facebook at Branch Living. And there we have an international community, and it would be a privilege to have you join us. There you can comment, post photos, prayer requests, praise reports. So join us on Facebook at Branch Living. You can also email your prayer requests and praise reports to me at lisa at branch living. That's all one word, branchliving.com. Again, that's lisa, L-I-S-A, at branchliving.com. We podcast once each week, and the heart of our podcast is our Branch Living message. And this year, we are exploring Jonathan Edwards' resolutions, just one each podcast. And we end with your comments, prayers, and praise. So join us and spread the word. We would love to hear from you. And with that, let us join the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for the ability to step back and to really worship together and to learn from you uh, through the writings and the readings that we uh, listen to and that we think about. And Father, we thank you for this community. We thank you for the ability to reach out in prayer and reach out with praise. And we know, Father, that one day we will all meet. And on this side of heaven, it's just nice to be able to connect. So we thank you for this ability. We pray this in your special name. Amen. So I have been so excited, I have to tell you, uh, to share this story with you that I read. And I think I find myself thinking about it during the week um, because it's just such a poignant story and such a good reminder for each of us that we really don't know. We don't know the influence that our life has on others. So I've entitled this a 27-year-old woman who helped bring an entire village to Christ, and she never knew it. Svea Flood, you've probably never heard of her. I hadn't either. So often we look at the at our lives and we wonder, have we and we wonder, have we made, are we making, or ever have we will we make a difference for Christ? Will Jesus look at us and say, well done? The answer for all but a few is that we simply do not know. We don't know the impact our lives will have on others. And on this side of heaven, we might never know. Perhaps that's why so many of us love the movie, It's a Wonderful Life. George Bailey doesn't know the impact he had on his hometown until an angel shows him what his town would have been like had he not been born. In his own mind, he had had very little impact, but in truth, his life had had a tremendous impact for the good of his town. His life had made a difference. A real life illustration of this can be found in the life of Svea Flood. Svea was a woman who went to her grave believing that, she, that her life had not made a difference, when in fact, she helped bring an entire village to Christ. 
I'm going to provide a brief summary of her life and of this story. But if you want to learn more, Randy Alcum wrote an excellent piece on her life, which can be found in the January and February issue of evangelicalmagazine.com. For the full story in rich detail, read Aggie Hurst, The Inspiring Story of a Girl Without a Country, published by Gospel Publishing House. Aggie was Svia's daughter. So here is Svia's story. In 1921, David and Svia Flood, a missionary couple, traveled with their two-year-old son from Sweden to the Belgian Congo in the heart of Africa. There they met the Ericsons, another couple from Scandinavia, and the four of them sought direction from God. After a period of time, they felt that God was leading them to go to the main mission station to take the gospel to a remote area. At a village, Nadalara, the chief would not let them enter the village because he was afraid their presence would alienate the local gods. So the two couples went a half mile up the slope and there they built their own mud huts. They prayed to bring the native residents to Christ, but nothing happened. In fact, the only villager they were in contact with was a young boy who was permitted to sell them chickens and eggs twice each week. Svia, a tiny woman who was only four foot eight inches tall, decided she would try to lead this young boy to Christ. And she succeeded, but he was the only convert. Soon, each member of their small party was infected with malaria. The Ericsons had had enough and decided to return to the central mission station. Svia and David Flood remained, and soon Svia learned that she was pregnant. The village chief softened a bit and allowed a midwife to assist her. She delivered a little girl, Ana. Svia, already weakened from bouts of malaria, lived only 17 days more. David Flood, her husband, broke. He dug a crude grave and buried his 27-year-old wife and took his children back to the mission station. He gave newborn Ana to the Ericsons and vowed to return to Sweden, declaring that God has ruined my life. This tragic story continues. The Ericsons were stricken with a mysterious sickness and died within days of each other. The baby was turned over to American missionaries who changed her name to Aggie. They brought Aggie to the United States when she was just three years old, and Aggie grew up in South Dakota, attended North Central Bible College in Minneapolis, and married Dewey Hurst, who became president of a, co- of a Christian college in the Seattle area. Aggie gave birth to a son and a daughter. Then one day, Aggie opened her mailbox and inside was a Swedish religious magazine. She didn't know who sent it to her and she couldn't read a word of Swedish. But as she turned the pages, she came upon a photo that startled her. 
The photo was of a grave with a white cross and on it were the words, Svea Flood. Aggie took the magazine to a college faculty member and he translated the article about the missionaries who went to Nildara, the birth of a white baby, the death of Svea, and of a little African boy she had led to Christ. But the story didn't end there. The article went on to say that the little boy grew up, persuaded the chief to let him build a school in the village, and gradually this little boy, who's now a man, led all of his students to Christ. Then he led their parents to Christ. And finally, he led the chief to Christ. At the time the article was written, there were 600 believers in this one village. On their 25th anniversary, Aggie and her husband visited Sweden. Aggie sought out her father. David had remarried, had four more children, but was an alcoholic and had suffered a stroke. He had one rule. No one was to mention God to him because he believed God had taken everything from him. The mention of God caused him to go into a rage. Aggie got to see her father. He told her he had never meant to give her away completely. And she explained that God had taken care of her. Well, her father began speaking his anger toward God, but Aggie was not deterred. She told him how the one little seed they had planted in that one little boy had grown into a large tree of believers. Over the course of their time together, David returned to God, and within weeks of the couple's return to America, David died. But the story doesn't end there. Several years later, Aggie and her husband attended an evangelical conference in England. A report was given by the superintendent of the National Church of Zaire, the former Belgian Congo. The National Church now had 110,000 believers. Afterward, Aggie approached the speaker and she asked him had he ever heard of her parents, David and Sphia's flood. And he said, yes, madam, Sphia blood flood led me to Christ. I was the boy who brought food to your parents before you were born. To this day, your mother's grave and her memory are honored by all. He invited Aggie to Africa and she went and there she visited her mother's grave and she attended church. What was the scripture that was read in her in the church that day? It was John, there were two verses, John 12, 25 and Psalm 126, 5. And so the first one, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seed. And then the second one, those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. And so the lesson for all of us here is you simply do not know the impact your life will have on the kingdom. We just need to continue to praise God, to share the good news, 
and to let the Holy Spirit empower our witness. Amen. What a tremendous story about this young 27-year-old who led this very young man to Christ. And then in the end, he leads a village to Christ. It reminds me very much of the story I heard a long time ago about the ministry focus on the family, where James Dobson's father was a minister and he had this very big idea about leading many, many to Christ and felt very emboldened and very empowered. And he never really had a large ministry. He always had a small ministry, but he poured himself into this boy who then became the CEO and the founder of Focus on the Family that had an international influence. And so we just don't know, do we? We don't know what part we are to play. And uh, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it's a good thing that we don't know and we just continue to walk the walk that we've been given. Um, I'm going to turn now to our Bible verse and we were talking, we were in Genesis and again I think it's just important that we spend a little time in the Bible together each time because oftentimes people just don't have time to read the Word of God. And the Word of God really speaks to us uh, directly and I don't need to really add much to it at all or add anything to it, but uh, sometimes it's nice to talk about it. But it speaks to us and I think we just need to allow it to speak to us. So again, this year I am reading from the World English Bible and I am now in chapter three, and we begin with now the serpent. So remember Adam and Eve are in the garden, life is good. And they were told not to eat out of the tree of knowledge or the tree of good and evil. And um, so now the serpent comes. So we're in uh, chapter three. Now the serpent was more subtle than any animal of the field which Yahweh God had made. And I just want to pause there and say, isn't that the truth? I mean, the devil is never flashy. He always makes bad seem good, evil seem good, and he does it in such a crafty way. He said to the woman, has God really said to you, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees of the garden, but not the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden. God has said, you shall not eat of it. You shall not touch it, lest you die. The serpent said to the woman, you won't really die, for God knows that in the day you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So I just wanna stop there and say, you know, Satan always twists the truth and he makes it very appealing. But the sad part of this is there isn't a creature in that garden that was more like God than Adam and Eve. God breathed his spirit into them. And so for him, a serpent to say, you will be like God, uh, they already had the spirit of God in them. And so the deception is so crafty. So continuing then, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was the delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. She took some of its fruit and ate, and then she gave some to her husband with her, and he ate it too. And their eyes were opened, and they both knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. They heard God's voice walking in the garden in the cool of the day, 
And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of God among the trees of the garden. And God called to the man and he said to him, where are you? And the man said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. And God said, well, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree I commanded you not to eat from? And the man said, the woman who you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate it. And God said to the woman, what have you done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate it. So notice here, no one is taking credit for their actions. Everybody's finger pointing, right? Yahweh God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed above all livestock and above every animal of the field. You shall go on your belly and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. I will put hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will bruise your head and you will bruise his heel. And of course, this is a reference to Jesus where Jesus is able to crush death and really crush Satan's world, but he still is killed in the process, at least physically killed before the resurrection. So he will bruise your head and you will bruise his heel. To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth and you will bear children in pain. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. And to Adam, he said, because you have listened to your wife's voice and have eaten from the tree about which I commanded you and saying, you shall not eat of it. The ground is cursed for your sake. You will eat from it with much labor all the days of your life. It will yield thorns and thistles to you and you will eat the herb of the field. You will eat bread by the sweat of your face until you return to the ground for you were taken out of it for you are dust and for you shall return to dust. And the man called his wife Eve because she would be the mother of all of the living. And God made garments of animal skins for Adam and his wife and clothed them. So we'll stop there, but what a great God we serve. Even with the betrayal, he clothes them in their nakedness and he provides a way as he provides a way for all of us. So lastly, I was going to share another resolution. This is Jonathan Edwards. And again, um, he claimed back in the day of his ministry that he had a failure to keep his New Year's resolutions. And so he wanted to live for the glory of God. And so he wrote these uh, resolutions um, and he read them each week of his life to be able to maintain his resolutions, um, many of them faith-based. So here's number four. Uh, he is resolved never to do any manner of thing, whether in soul or body, less or more, but what tends to the glory of God, nor, nor be, nor suffer it, if I can avoid it. And I'm going to read number five as well. Never lose one moment of time, but improve it the most profitable way I possibly can. So, wow, what a challenge he set up for himself. Uh, that he would do everything to the glory of God and he would not lose a moment of time. Can you think how much time we squander? But he's going to really try to use the time he has very, very well and for God. And certainly from every account, maybe he didn't use every moment well, but he, he certainly lived a very uh, good life for God. 
Uh, so thank you for joining me. Remember your life counts. Remember you may not know in this, on this side of heaven what impact you're making, but you are making an impact for the kingdom as long as you seek God's face and do his will. Uh, so with that, let us join with God and thank him for this time. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for the message of Svea Flood. We oftentimes lose track of the fact that whatever role we play in your story, it is a, an important role, it is a blessed role, it is a significant role, and it is a privilege to be allowed to play a role of any size in the story that you are telling. And so Father, we thank you for this. I ask that you bless everyone who's listening to this podcast, everybody who's reading the website, um, and really let them feel that you are in charge of their lives, that you've got them covered, and that their lives are making a difference as long as they look to you and as long as they try to walk with you daily. Amen. So again, I just um, want to thank you for this time together. Uh, send me your prayers and your praise reports. Uh, don't forget to pray for healthcare workers and for all of those who have COVID. I think we're turning a corner with this pandemic, but we still need to keep everybody in prayer. So until we get together again, stay close to God, stay in touch, and I will chat with you again soon.